Welcome back to the show. Today, we are speaking with Isabeau Maxwell. Isabeau is a spiritual teacher and author and one of the leading spiritual coaches in the intuitive development industry today. Isabeau brings deep channeled knowledge and personal understanding to the field of spirituality. She has helped people connect to their authentic, natural, intuitive abilities for over the last 15 years. She is the founder of the award-winning intuitive development course called The Sage Method. The author of the best-selling book, Cracking Open, Adventures of a Reluctant Medium, and the creator of the popular online community, The Sage Circle. This is such an incredibly fun and powerful episode. I do not think I've had a medium on the show yet. We dove into acknowledging what our spiritual body is, how it speaks to us and allowing it to be heard. She shares her own personal experience with how she recognized that she had these gifts and how long it took her to actually own these gifts. And we spoke about uncovering these gifts, her natural abilities and her intuitive abilities and how it unfolded and eventually led to building the sage circle and the sage method. We also dove into how to get into tune with and hear our sixth sense because the sixth sense uses the other five senses and it speaks through the other five senses. This was such a fun, unique and powerful episode. I know you're going to love it. Welcome to the Own Your Choices, Own Your Life podcast. I am your host, Marsha Van Weinsberg. I'm a business coach, speaker, and author of the best-selling book, When She Stopped Asking Why. On this podcast, we will use the tips, tools, and strategies used by myself and our speakers to break through and overcome the challenges in our lives. When we take radical responsibility of our choices, create boundaries, grow our courage and practice self-care and letting go of what isn't ours to control, we can completely change our stories. When we take full ownership of our stories, we take back our personal power and this allows us to impact, serve and support others by showing them that they are not alone and helping them find freedom from their stories. When you own your choices, you truly own your life. Let's dive in. Welcome to the show today, Isabeau. I'm so thrilled to have this conversation with you. I am thrilled to be here. Are you kidding? I've been looking forward to this. <laughs> All right. So tell us a little bit about you and where you are from. So I'm from a little bit of everywhere. Um, I had a mom that loved to renovate a house and then find a new one. So uh, that was a really cool. That was kind of cool. But mostly it was Minnesota. Mostly it was okay. that, that Midwestern kind of, kind of feel. And I did a little bit of time in North Carolina, California, places like that, Oregon. And, uh, and now we're, we're traveling a lot. So <laughs> travel, that's a foreign word right now, but that sounds awesome. That sounds awesome. You have founded something called the sage method, which I think is, I want to dive back into how you got here. But if it makes sense, I would love to know what is the SAGE method? So the SAGE method is a seven-week intuitive development program. Mm -hmm. And it's it's a bit of a formula. And it's it's a course that is for everyone, not somebody that necessarily wants to become a professional reader or something. It's a course on how to organically and authentically use your personal intuition. Mm -hmm. 
It's a course that really supports the fact that everyone's intuition is strong. Mm -hmm. It's just a matter of how cluttered it is and how covered up it is. And the short version of how the SAGE method came to be is that I went through a massive transition and through that transition, I went from a complete skeptic to a professional intuitive and my guidance and my guides said, take everything we've taught you, put it together and give it to other people. And that's where the SAGE method was born. Thank you for sharing that. So you went from a complete skeptic to this. Okay. So let's talk about where you were in that time in your life. This story just, I, I, it's so fun because if you said to me that I would be sitting here mm-hmm. like 15 years ago, I, I would brush you off. I'd say, aren't you sweet? <laughs> I'd be a little condescending, a little irritated, and I would walk away, but my life is completely different now. So I was a only child. I was raised. I did confirmation, nice Methodist Minnesota church. The second confirmation was done. My parents said, what do you think? I said, no, thanks. And we said, okay. So there was really no church, no spirituality. I was raised in an environment that was not emotionally supportive. Uh, I wasn't, I wasn't emotionally showed up for it. I guess that's what I want to say. And the umbrella that covered the house that draped it like, like a tent was the umbrella of you should always worry about what everyone thinks of you. And so it was, what do you look like? What do you act like? What do you say? And that was really, that was really how it was built through my childhood. Mm -hmm. So psychics were frauds and scam artists and it wasn't real and, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Fast forward here. I am now. So there's as a professional intuitive. Um, but that happened because I was 32 and my grandmother, who was very much my mom, mm-hmm. she was in Minnesota still. I had been living in New Hampshire. So I was in living, I was in New Hampshire. She passed away. And about an hour or so after passing, I was alone in my apartment and she showed up in my living room and absolutely scared me. Just Duh. And it was, uh, yeah, it was very, I I would love to say it was beautiful and it was wonderful, but it wasn't, I mean, I am, I have a math degree from college. I've opened businesses and I was a skeptic and I was very much in the material world. And my entire life was me making it happen. There was no support anywhere. Mm -hmm. So this was the mind frame. And now here I am a quote ghost had shown up in my living room and every horror movie that I'd ever seen as a kid went rolling right on through and I didn't react very well to it. But there she was five foot tall, just cheeky little smarty pants. She's just the funniest lady. And I remember she was standing sideways. She was about 70% solid, which was what really hit me the hardest. Mm -hmm. And she turned and looked at me and she winked and then disappeared. And now I can look back and say, ha ha, very funny. (laughs) Mm-hmm. <laughs> but at the time I didn't, I didn't take it as funny. Uh, the next day, my husband shared with me that he had a dream that was very realistic. He described the clothing she was wearing as he had a dream about her. And it was the clothing she was wearing when she oh. showed up in my living room. Yeah. So now complete skeptic here is having a bit of a mental breakdown because mm-hmm. what if this is real? <laughs> and 
I let grief take over and I said, okay, I'm going to give it X amount. You know, you got to be really scientific about this, right? So Mm -hmm. I'm going to give it 90 days. And in 90 days, I'm going to explore this and this and this and this and this. Oh yeah, that is a math degree. And within 90 days, that should give me enough of a theory to determine whether or not this is real. And I remember finding uh, my first spiritual person because step one, I have to find someone that's uh, quote weird. This is how I was approaching this because Mm -hmm. no one in my circles had any of this connection. Can I ask you quickly? You said no one in your circle had any of this connection. Did you like say to anyone, like, you won't believe what just happened? Or did you just pretty much go, I'm not saying a thing. I'm going to do my own research. I'm going to figure this out. I I'm not saying a thing. Yeah. Um, when my husband said that I told him what happened, um, he was like, it was sort of this sort of 50, 50, okay. And then I just followed it up with, it must be grief. And he's like, yeah, must be grief. Mm -hmm. Got it. The next person I brought this up to was my cousin at the funeral of my grandmother. I did get to fly home to go to the funeral. And I brought it up to my cousin who she was, she was the closest thing I had to assist. I have to a sister. She's still here. And I said, this is going to sound really strange, (laughs) but I sense her. I can feel her and I can smell her sometimes. And cause it had been happening for about a week. And that's when she broke down and she's like, okay, I am so done with you being sheltered. You're an adult now. And I went, oh, so I found out that my cousin, my aunt, my grandmother, all into this. And my uh, mom had done a really good job at making sure none of them spoke a word to me about any of it. And I was like, okay, now I will say this. I believe in my heart that my mom did that for my, like for, for out of love, hundred percent. Yep. I understand. I mean, I am successful today because of the things that she taught me, like all of that kind of stuff, Mm -hmm. but it just wasn't part of the game. wasn't part of the whole whole thing. So my cousin said, yes, of course she showed up for me too. And I was like, Oh my gosh. So then I'm like this with my aunt and my cousin going, tell me everything. And, and that, that was helpful because that was my first support structure and the Tai Chi guy. I knew a Tai Chi guy and I walked up to him and said, you're the weirdest person I know. Can you help me? This is what's happening. And he, I'm telling you, heart of gold. Heart of, I mean, a woman walks up to you and says that to you, but he's still just a smile and he hugged me and he heart of gold. And he was like, all right, we're going to start with yes and no questions. That'll help you communicate with her. And um, yeah, it was, it was, it was slow going, but I would say about a year, year and a half into it, I was comfortable telling like a stranger what I did, but it took a while. It took a long time. Well, if you grow up in that time, that culture, I'm very much here. Like that was very, we're very similar in that sense. And I can't even imagine if that would have ever come up in my house, that would have been like, that's a bunch of quacks. That's like, not even like, that just would have been not a chance. Yep. And so, yes, I understand what you're saying and that it was um, your mom also trying to protect in a sense Mm -hmm. with the right intention. Oh, so yeah. you've got this, like, I'm going to research this and understand this over this time. Now, all of a sudden you find out that your family, like you're very much full of a lot of intuitives. Did you then have, like, did you skip in your math study? Like, did you kind of go, okay, this is actually real. Uh, not, not right away. Mm-hmm. Uh, in my theory chasing, <laughs> I was able to, so I kept communicating with my grandmother. Mm-hmm. And it, the first instance, like I said, not out of the corner of my eye, right in front of me, 70% solid that did not repeat itself. Mm -hmm. That was just the very first instance. It was almost like she was lovingly punching me in the gut to be like, okay, I'm going to make sure you see this 
strong enough. After that, it was these, these chills that would run through me head to toe, or I would smell, you know, I would smell her, you know, grandma's got those special smells and I could smell my grandmother. And I just, I could feel her and I would, but I couldn't see her for a long time, actually. And I did the yes and no questions like that amazing Tai Chi instructor helped me with. And I started to um, get messages through the yes and no questions. So I would wait until I felt her and then I would stop and I'd go, okay, yes and no's. And I would ask a bunch of them, get a message and then wait to see that come that come true. Now I am probably day 87 into my 90 day theory before I'm going to go to a psychiatrist and get help. Cause I'm raising two small boys. Um, <laughs> and I remember saying to her, honey, I love you so much. And I so want this to be you, but that could be my grief and I'm raising kids and I need to, I need to be solid on this. And if this isn't real, I need to get some help mm-hmm. within the next day or two. I'm driving, I'm doing errands and again, chills head to toe and not like goosebumps, like that kind of, you know what it feels like to go over a roller coaster. That's how she would, you know, come near me and I would feel that. So I pull over, get in a parking lot. Yes. And no questions took me like 20 minutes to get this, but it was that the answer was, or the message was my mom would call me. She would need help with some finances, but that I wouldn't be the one to help her. A friend would. And I went, okay, we've got something here. This is either going to happen or it's not Mm -hmm. good. This is a deciding factor because we have three days left in my scientific 90 days, (laughs) my 90 days. And, uh, and same day driving and doing more errands. I'm on my own. The kids are being watched. I'm on my own. And, uh, my mom calls and she says, honey, I I need some money moved. Now this was back in 2005. Mm -hmm. So I mean, this was back when we didn't have smartphone transfers and stuff. So I had to go to my bank, get cash out and then drive it to her bank. And I did that. I got, I went and got cash, drove to her bank. I'm on the way to the bank and I'm discounting this because my mom was an accountant for a number of companies. Sometimes these financial things would come up and I pull into the bank and I'm like, just made that up right? Phone rings again. And it's my mom. She goes, Hey, sweetie, don't worry about it. Lisa, my friend already took care of it. And I went, Oh, cause she had, she'd always asked for help for those types of situations. And I would run up, but she never turned around and asked someone else instead. Mm-hmm. And this is and the same day, that same you- day wow. later that day, <laughs> I sat in the parking lot of that bank. I cried. Mm-hmm. I shook. Mm-hmm. I went, Oh, what do I do? Now, what do I do with this? Right. Well, this is real. Like, this is like, this is, this is real. And it must've felt like this. I don't know. Awakening is the right word, but it must've felt like such a, wow, is this, this is not a fluke. This is not an accident. There's a reason this is all happening right now. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think I, I I don't remember feeling like there was a reason at that point Mm -hmm. because I was still so raw. Mm-hmm. I mean, I love my mom, but my grandma was that nurturing love. That's I get my grandma. That was my grandma. It was like, yeah. I, yeah, she was a bit of a hard ass. I'm not going to lie. She was definitely, uh, she was definitely, but she was somebody who, when people ask me, how did you end up starting to speak? And I said, I was with her when she was in the hospital being diagnosed, my parents were gone. And it was like, she had very little time. She never went home. And two days before she passed, she called me on my phone 
And she's like, okay, honey, you're not allowed to come and see me because no one's going to come and see me looking like this. I don't want you to remember this, but everyone says that like uncle so-and-so has to do the eulogy. And I said, nope, it's my funeral. And I can decide who it's going to be. And I want it to be you because you will do my stories justice. And I'm like, okay, she like how many people ask They get to ask the person to do the eulogy. And I did it. And it was a moment where I went, I think I'm supposed to speak. I think I'm supposed to speak. Like it just became very clear. And that was two years before my book release and before a bunch of things happened. And I swear that's, she has shown up many times, not in the form like you're explaining, but she's definitely shown up many times. And so Mm -hmm. she's always been someone who is super important to me and who I am. Guidance, mm-hmm. major, major guidance, Great major word. guidance. And I think the thing that really hits me in the heart is that it's guidance for what's best for you. Mm-hmm. Like what's really best for you, for your soul, mm-hmm. not for your role here as a human, not for your role here in society, but for your soul. Mm. Yeah. Before, before my grandmother passed, she requested one thing of me and it was uh, to love my children unconditionally. And I had experienced very conditional love and I made that vow to her. Mm-hmm. I made that vow to her. And, and that comes in with, with my clients and my students and all of that as well. I love you for exactly who you are, mm-hmm. you know, let's start there. <laughs> and that like, that is so huge. I listen, I understand if you're listening, you might be thinking, well, yeah, that's like straightforward, but that's not, that's not the truth. We don't actually live like that. And you said something there that just really hit me in a sense, like guidance for your soul, not for what you think you're supposed to be doing or Mm -hmm. not for what appeases other people or not for. So I think we can say like, that's a big block for people. Yeah. I wanted to be an artist while artists don't make money. I wanted to be a teacher. Well, teachers don't really make money. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I settled in, I compromised on a math degree because I said no to the legal degree. And so, you know, my mom doing the absolute best she could wanted to set me up in society to be as successful as I could be in society, but none of that was around what my soul wanted. Mm -hmm. And, and no fault of hers, she did what she knew, you know, mm-hmm. and then I ended up having two kids that both came down here to earth, knowing exactly what they wanted to do from the time they were born. It was really bizarre. And it was cool because I was like, I'm the person to raise you. I'm going to do such a good job because this mm-hmm. is my journey that I'm going through too. But the timing is all, mm-hmm. it's all absolutely stunning, but I, I don't feel like I got the feeling of purpose in this interaction with her. I think I was still so raw that I remember when it happened, two things, the the two big emotions that hit me when that day happened. And I realized I can't, this is real. The two big emotions were, (laughs) this is going to sound funny. What else goes bump in the night? I mean, that my brain went, what else is around? Like if there's, if this is possible, Uh Now I I'm starting to have this awareness moment that I can't just lock my front door. So that I did, I, a skeptic goes through that. My security blanket was ripped off. Yeah. The security blanket was ripped off. And then the other emotion was, yay, I didn't lose you. I have you for the rest of my life now. And I was so excited. And, um, a couple months later I was in a grocery store and that was the first time I saw more people in spirit form again, a little uncomfortable, 
Um, when I asked my grandmother about it, she said, well, what did you think was going to happen? I was like, I thought it was just going to be you and me. Like we were just going to hang, you know? And she was like, get over yourself. I was like, okay, got it. Got it. And then I met my guide and then I learned how to open up my intuition and became a professional intuitive. So it was a journey. Wow. This is just so fascinating. There's so many different ways that we can take this conversation. (laughs) So you became a guide. What does it look like to be a guide? My guide showed, I didn't even know there were guides. I mean, I I just, right. I like, what? Someone's like pendulum. I'm like, I don't know what that is. Like there was so many things I didn't know. Uh, I was visiting a friend's house and they lived, the family lived on three acres of, of woods and I was leaving. And I, I saw out of the corner of my eye, something in the woods <laughs> and I turned and looked and it was like this, you, you know, when you see a heat wave on a hot road mm-hmm. and it looks transparent, it looked exactly like that, but it was in the form of a person. And I was really kind of taken back because I hadn't experienced anything like that. And everything in me wanted to go over there. Like I was just this massive pull. So I didn't. (laughs) (laughs) And then of course, and then the next day I came back, the next time I came there, I saw him again and I said, okay, I need, I need to go out there. My friend said, cause my friend was very open to all of this was a new friend, new family, and they were very open to all of this. Um, I was connected to them through therapy that I was going through as a result of all this. And I said, can I sit in your woods? They're like all the time, anytime you need to come out here, you go out there and you just sit and you, and whatever. So I did. And I kept coming out there because I was just fascinated with whatever this thing was. And then I realized it's a person. And then I realized he's teaching me things. And then I realized he's challenging me. And, and that's when he explained, I'm your guide. This, I am your teaching guide. This is my job. And I was like, okay, so I have like a journal months and months of going out there multiple times a week, learning about uh, past lives, linear time, how we come down here, what happens in the crossing over process. Like it was just a crash course. And he also challenged me to do massive amounts of inner work. And that inner work was what opened up my intuition. Oh, wow. Okay. So here's so much. So the inner work that opened up your intuition, what does inner work look like for you? That was, that really made a difference. Uh, it's different for, so I'll, I will say in general, when somebody says, well, what's part of this course, decluttering your intuition, your intuition is already hundred percent. It's in there, it's crank and it's going, it's just how much clutter is on it. So personal, environmental, emotional clutter, when we can release that, that's when you get access to your intuitive channel. So the minimalist that lives up in a cave and, and, you know, has one article of clothing, they're going to be super intuitive. (laughs) You know, if you're, um, if you have a lot of material, you know, belongings that you have to think about and care for that can be clutter. For me, it was emotional clutter. It was really um, overcoming a lot of my fears, a lot of the beliefs that were instilled in me. I was a very good codependent. Uh, I didn't even realize that until I had started going through this process. And I'm like, what do you mean? What do I want? That's not, I don't know. Like, I, you know, no one's ever asked me that. So it's, uh, I had to go through a lot of, of, of healing. I had to learn how to set boundaries 
I had to learn how to stop taking on the struggles, concerns, and worries of every other person in my life to Mm -hmm. take care of them. Mm -hmm. And that didn't happen overnight. That did not happen overnight. But as it did happen, I started to be able to access more and more of my intuition, which was really, I don't know, it was kind of exciting. It was kind of like a treat. You know, I would get this hit or something super accurate and I'd go running out to my guide in the woods and be like, I can't believe this. I saw this woman and I knew she had six kids. And then she introduced me and told me she had six kids. And it was like, I can't believe I knew that before she even said it. He was like, yeah, that's your intuition. All right. Now go do this. And I'm like, oh, more work. More work. Sorry, I know I love this story. I love this. Um, I'm a big believer that our intuition is like people will say all the time, I can't hear it. I can't hear it. And I love, I don't think I've ever heard anybody say it that way in the sense that there's clutter. And how think of even our house. Like yesterday is one of my busiest weeks I've had in a long time. And I'm like, that's it, decluttering my office. Did not have time for, but maybe it's best because I literally was ruthless and did, you know, four boxes went out, done, didn't even think twice about it. It's like, okay, space, space makes so many of us uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And I would love if there's anything that you can dive in there on the space, the clutter and how we can create shifts there for our own intuition. Because I think a lot of us, and I, I I have really strong intuition now, Mm -hmm. And I've learned to just like, listen to this, like, wait, that's actually something was for me. I could hear that. That was a set was something for me. But I think that a lot of people will say, I don't hear it because you don't listen to it and you don't, you discount it. And sometimes it can be as simple as asking ourselves a very simple question and then listening to how does that feel? Like you said, go back into yes and no. So I would just love to know your thought on the, that intuition piece and how we can like open that up and become even more in tune with it. Absolutely. So the two things here that, that, um, I'm kind of getting out of your question, the first would be the space Mm -hmm. and decluttering. Mm -hmm. It's not, I tell people it's not that end goal. It's not that you have to get it completely decluttered before your intuition opens up. If you are in the process of decluttering, your energy is in the process of releasing, that intuitive channel will be open. Mm -hmm. So it's not, I have to get it to this point in order to access it. It's the behavior of decluttering that your intuition opens. It's like, it's like when you add clutter, you're tightening that channel closed. When you're letting go of it, the channel's relaxing and opening. And uh, so I tell people that all the time. And also why, why do we have clutter? We have clutter because there are things that we have been presented, uh, taught our personal programming. These things are painful to us. We don't want to look at them and distractions help us to not. So the more objects we have, the more things we have to take care of, the more, uh, just music or noise or television or phones. If you've ever just sat quiet with yourself for 15 minutes, that can get uncomfortable Mm -hmm. and it can get uncomfortable. If you have old baggage, you haven't been able to process through a boundary. You haven't been able to set and the clutter just numbs it. And I say that from experience, because I got to tell you, uncluttering that stuff, got it. You know, it, it's a process. So We tend to not want a lot of space or time to think because then we have to look at the things that were brought 
upon us Mm -hmm. and that we were trained and taught to do. And perhaps we're not quite ready to release that. So awareness can be painful. And I tell Mm -hmm. my students, I'm like, awareness, it stinks. Okay. It does. There's going to be moments where you have an aha moment about yourself, but it's not exactly your best Wednesday. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And if I keep telling them, if you have awareness, you're 90% there. That's Mm -hmm. because if you can just figure out what's really happening, even though it stinks to figure out what's really happening, you are one step away from letting that go and living how you want to live. What a great message. Seriously, that is such a great message for everyone, no matter where you're at in your life right now. That is such a great message. I mean, nothing changes the, the awareness anyways. But mm-hmm. that clutter piece, like even I, I probably had three or four people message me and say, how do you get rid of books and things that fast? I've never been able to give any of it up. And I'm like, oh, you have to start. You just have to try. Yeah. Like, it's just a try. And I get to the point where I pick it up and I'm like, that one doesn't feel good. And I'm like, I don't think I need that message now. Like, it's just this, it's yeah. nothing against the book, the piece. It's like tapping into, is this, I'm like, oh, this one is for me sometime. And I'll keep that one. Mm-hmm. And it, it's just learning and asking that. So I absolutely love this. So you then took this, we're talking all about creating that space, decluttering, and you started to really tap into your intuition even more and understand it more. And I just want to know what that relationship was like. And then when did it like really open up into, I think this is my business. I think this is what I'm meant to do. Yeah, it was, it was an interesting development. It was interesting how it opened up for me. And then just to backtrack one more step real quick too, Mm -hmm. when it comes to people, this is, I hear this so much. I experience it as well. They say an intuitive message comes through and, but they'll say, I don't know how I knew. I just knew. And that's kind of what you were talking about before of like, it's there, but they don't see it or hear it or feel it. And the technique I teach my students with that is when you have that moment where you don't know how you knew it, you just knew. All right. And it just hit you. All Mm -hmm. of a sudden you're like, so-and-so is going to call and then they do. And you don't know why that you knew they were going to call when you have a moment, hopefully not too far away from the actual event, but when you have a moment, go back and replay exactly what happened for you and sit with it. Your sixth sense uses the other five. So every time your intuitive channel speaks, it speaks through one of your five senses and chances are, are actually, I don't even want to say chances are good. I've taught thousands of people and I've witnessed this hundreds of times. It is always using one of your senses. So trust that that's happening. Go back replay exactly what happened in the moment that you knew and then look for, did I, did I see something? Maybe, wait, I saw a flash of look for, what did you see? Look for maybe something you might've heard, look for a physical feeling that might've happened somewhere in the body. Mm -hmm. And it's going to take a few times, but you'll start to see it because it's like the five senses are, are bringing out this intuition, but they're muffled. And so as they're muffled, it just feels like a feeling and you don't, but when we put attention to it, all of a sudden that one sense that's been trying desperately to get you to pay attention goes, Oh, good. I'm glad you're evaluating this. Look, I've been showing it to you every time. I've been here. 
I've been showing it to you and I love it. I, I, I work uh, one-on-one with, with people who do want to become practitioners. And when they step into our sessions and they say, well, I don't see it's okay. All right, let's do a practice session. And in the middle of the practice session, as they're tapped in, you know, I'm feeling this, I'm feeling this, I'm feeling this. And I'll say, okay, great message. What did you see? Well, I saw a truck. Okay. Awesome. Keep going. You know, and then I'll get them to say that like five times. And when they're done, I'll say, you saw a truck, you saw a flag, you saw color red, you saw this. And they go, Oh my gosh, I do see. And I'm like, yeah. So we are seeing, we are hearing, Mm -hmm. we just have to sit with it. We're back to that. Like, like sit in it, the, like create the space, feel Mm -hmm. it, Mm -hmm. don't skip over it. Yep. allow those feelings to be there. Does everybody have this ability to tap into a everyone. level? Yeah, I love this. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone, everyone. And people look at famous people that are on stage doing this. Here's the thing. That's their calling. Mm-hmm. They do it every single day, yeah. all day. Yeah. And, and that's their calling. But I have, I would say 90 over 95% of the people that have walked through the sage method over the years did not do it to become a professional. And yet they get just as accurate hits as they're practicing using their intuition over the years, they're getting just as accurate hits as anyone else. Cause they know how to hold themselves for their intuition to speak. And, you know, some people see first, some people hear first, some people feel things first. Mm-hmm. I have, and everyone's so unique too. This is what I love about my job. I have, I've taught so many people that use all these different examples. And one of my favorite examples is this really amazing person. And she can tell you about an experience you had, perhaps an event you were, you were in like a year ago to a T. She can tell you how many people were in the room. She can tell you the music that was playing in the background. She can tell you things that accurate, but only if she, in her mind, sets up literally like a third grade shoebox diorama in front of her. And then in the diorama, the whole thing plays out. And once we figure that out, she just went and went wide open. She goes, so, so that's how she taps in. It's not how everyone, I've never seen two people tap in that way, but that's how she taps in. Other people tap in by imagining the color blue and then blue transforms into something. Other people tap in, it's, it's different for everyone. And some people are mediums and some people are psychics and some people are a little bit of both. Okay. The difference between a medium and a psychic, the difference between a medium and a psychic mm-hmm. psychic can tap into the energy of a person or a place or a situation. Mm-hmm. So they're tapping kind of into source into universe energy. Uh, a medium is having a conversation with a, with a soul or a being. Okay. So if myself, I land really far on the medium side, very few psychic moments. And so my running joke is if I lose my keys, I'm only going to find it if a deceased person tells me where they are. So that's, that's, that's just it. Or I call a psychic friend and go, can you do that thing where you look around you and tell me that thing you do, you know? And then my psychic friend calls me the next day and goes, okay, my, I'm, tr- my grandfather's trying to tell me something. Okay. Hold on. I'll talk to him. You know? So it's, that's most people are right in the middle, but some people are very so, psychic. So cool. So cool. Um, 
Okay. What happens? Like we, again, we've got the clutter, we've got the not tapping in, we're not listening. And in doing so, we're also not listening to like the whole spiritual body. Like you mentioned that what happens when we start tapping into our whole spiritual body, the things that can change in our lives. I would love it if you want to unpack that at all. Absolutely. This is my favorite tool. GCP is what I call it. It is my favorite tool. It was given to me by that teaching guide uh, so long ago. And the essence of it is acknowledging your spiritual body. So we're taught to take care of our physical body with food, with exercise, with personal space, you know, uh, all of that, right? We're taught about the physical, but many, 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 many people are not taught to take care of their energetic body. I've met a few and I... (laughs) I always, I tell them, can I meet your mom and hug her? Cause she did such a good job, <laughs> but most people are not taught about their energetic body. No, we have three bodies. We have the physical body, which is the container. We've got the programming body, which is the human mind on linear time. The, yeah. the one that has all the fabulous emotions here. And then we have the spiritual body and that spiritual body also known as the energetic body expands outside of our physical body. We don't know this, but it'll, this will make sense when I say it this way, when someone approaches you and perhaps they're going to yell at you for, I don't know, parking crooked or something. Okay. And they yell at you. What we aren't aware of is that our spiritual body picked up the energy of that engagement before our ears ever heard the words coming out of the person's mouth. The result of this, of our energy bodies always picking up things before our physical body does, is that we react because by the time we hear those words, we are good to go. Let's go, dude. Right. (laughs) And we're, we're now, if the spiritual body energy body did not pick up that energy and someone yelled, our, we would respond. We'd go, Oh, what's the yell? Oh, that's interesting. Hold on. I need to think about what you're saying. Oh, I got it. Oh, you're, Oh, you're mad at me for parking. Well, now if I feel feisty, I'll fight with you, but otherwise, right. Mm -hmm. Completely different. The, the reactions that we have are energetic. So when we acknowledge that energy body and protect it every single day, it's our way of saying, I'm not just carrying a physical body. I'm carrying an energetic body. And also the cool thing that happens is the energy stops before it hits the spiritual body. And then the first thing that happens is you hear it instead of feel it. And then you can make a decision. How do I want to interact with this? Wow. So it's, it's when he taught me this years ago and I started to do it, Mm -hmm. I had negative people around me that started to avoid me. And not like in a bad way, mm-hmm. they were just like, not interested in complaining around me anymore. I was like, well, that's weird. And roadway road rage went away. I, I remember like, it, it just, it's this energetic thing where everything that's in your energy body, you kind of magnetically bring more around. So if you spend like an entire day talking about dogs, 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 the next day, your friend's going to go, Hey, there's a dog for adoption. You want it? we are always magnetically bringing Mm -hmm. things to us. And if our energetic body has spent an exorbitant amount of time collecting other people's baggage and emotional garbage, then that's in here. 
and we're carrying it and it's heavy and we can't sleep at night and our brains run like this before we go to sleep constantly and we're irritable for no reason. And, but we do GCP, which is grounding, clearing out that body of all the old negative and then putting a protective bubble around it that kind of filters. When we do that, the only thing in our energetic body is us. Mm. And we are way more powerful. And people say, oh, well, I want to help people. Well, here, <laughs> I love this one because I think, well, I'm going to give you a suggestion that you can use that will still work for you. If you really want to help people, then do this practice because then you'll be stronger and you can help more people. So instead of just taking on their, like their, and their sadness and all that kind of take care of yourself so you can be even stronger for them when they do need someone. Mm-hmm. That's kind of how I, and it's, it's so wild things just for people that start using this practice and it's free and simple and quick it takes like 10 seconds to do once you've done it a few times, mm-hmm. people start using it. And within a week, they're like, holy cow, this happened at my job. And so and so just and this is awesome and and it's it's a game changer. Can you tell how excited I get about this? Oh no, I'm this like I'm just favorite like one. I love this because I think that like a big part of the problem is we're always carrying things that are not ours. And mm-hmm. then there's a lot of people that like wonderful people that I want to help people. I want to do things. So now it's like, I'm going to come out and help. And all of a sudden you finish with this one person. It's like, Oh, that's heavy. I don't know what to do with any of that. And yeah. you have to find a way to have, I've called it energetic boundaries for a long time. Mm-hmm. You, if, if I am not in a good space, I can't provide anything for anyone else. And I'm not, I'm not my best at all in that space. And some of the stories that reach me about shame stories and vulnerability, and some of them are really heavy. If I'm not in a good space, then that story hits harder. And Mm -hmm. I feel myself carrying it and I feel myself in this space. So I love how you're talking in this way, because this is something that a would benefit all of us because collectively (laughs) let's just say that collectively right now, if we could all carry our own house in a better space, (laughs) it would make a big difference. And, um, secondly, it, I think it also then maybe correct if I'm wrong, the change that we can create in our life. Like it's always, I always believe it's about us going first and taking care of ourselves, And like leadership is about leading ourselves and energetically helping ourselves so that we can do those things. Because we have to create that change ourselves first. So I love how you're saying almost creating this space with your energetic body to bring that forward into your day. Exactly. And we've many, many of us have been taught to not put ourselves first, to always put everyone else first. And then we're, yeah, and we're drained. And, you know, and so many people are empathic and they just get drained and the energy gets sucked out. And, I've had a lifetime of people that have said, I just love being around you. And it's like, well, that's great, but I'm so tired now. It's like, I'm so tired. I need to, once I started doing GCP, I had the ability mm-hmm. to take this, this, and I know it's called protection, but it's more like filtering mm-hmm. and it's not going to keep out, you know, the things that are supposed to happen to you and the things that are on your path. As a matter of fact, when you're doing this practice and you have a wonderful experience, you know, just an, an epiphany or a moment of deep beauty or something, you're actually going to experience that on a deeper level because it's coming through an energetic body that's not clogged up with 
everyone else's emotions and energy. Mm-hmm. And there are going to be times that you do carry someone else's emotions and energy, and that's purposeful and you're supposed to. Mm-hmm. It's it's a matter of, of saying to your energetic body, I give you the right to choose what you should take in and what you shouldn't for my highest good. And that's really what the practice is, is saying, I take care of myself. Now I can go out into the world and help others. And I've had this, I've had where someone's come up and they've had an, a, like an anger moment, just a stranger in a post office. And it's nothing. There was like, there was no emotion or feeling. And here's the cool part. I then got to decide in a peaceful state if this is a good, if this is somebody I can help, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Instead of, you know, they wanted to pick a fight. I get it. But now I can step in, in a more healing manner to calm them down and say, put one more piece of tape on. Mm-hmm. It's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Let's mail this together. That's beautiful. That's Let's beautiful. Mail this together. <laughs> now, if, as you say, um, GCP, is this something that you can explain in a podcast or is there a link that oh, I yeah. can share or I can give you the, the quick explanation. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there is a link that of a, like, a, it's about a 30 minute video or 20 minute video that goes a little bit more into depth on why it works so well. Okay. Yeah. And it's free. It's mm-hmm. I, I wish everyone did this. This is just do it and then show someone else. <laughs> And then tell someone else, but it's uh, three steps, real s- simple. And many of these steps we've been, you know, different people have done in different, you know, arenas, but it's doing them in this order that acknowledges all three of the bodies and puts the three bodies in alignment that works so well. So grounding is asking mother earth to, to ground you, to hold you, to secure you. And with all three of these steps, if you're creative and bring in something that means something to you, they'll work better. So uh, for some, it's tree roots coming out of their feet into earth. For me, it's a cord that goes down into the earth and it kind of pulls tight. I have a powerhouse best friend female that puts like these iron pillars out of her legs that like anchor down into the earth. I also have another friend who loves cats. And so she imagines being in a garden and her cats are walking around and that anchors her. Mm -hmm. Figure out what it is. Just ask Mother Earth to ground you and hold you. That's your security. Grounding is like a telephone pole. The deeper the telephone pole is buried, the taller it can go. So we ground first and then we clear. Pick an element to clear. Water, air, uh, fire, doesn't matter. The idea is it's going to go all, the water or the air is going to go all the way through your energy, like all the way through your body. And it's going to push out, wash out, burn out everything you're not supposed to be carrying. Mm-hmm. And then the third step is protection. You can start with a bubble, just a giant bubble around you. And we say to that giant bubble, please allow in what's for my highest good and keep out what is not for my highest good. So we've anchored, we've cleaned out all the old dirt and we've put a nice clean, clear bubble around us. That's going to help us to only have what comes in. Mm-hmm. And uh, that, I mean, that's literally it. It's that easy. And kids can do it. I typically teach kids like, what's your favorite building? And they're like a pyramid. And so it's like, all right, instead of a bubble, put a pyramid, you know, and um, just get creative, but it's that easy and that quick. Mm -hmm. And that kind of awareness, just, I tell people do it for a week and just watch and see what happens. 
And, and people will be like, oh, these friendly strangers are saying hello to me. I'm like, yeah, yeah. Well, because your energy is different and people can sense that and feel that. Yeah, exactly. Right. Like you, it, it people do know you can tell like it's there. Sometimes I'll see a person in the store and I'm like, Ooh, I'm steer clear from that. I have no reason why <laughs> that's not in judgment. It's just like, I can feel the energy there and it yeah. is not where I'm going today. Yeah. Marsha's like, turn the cart around. We're going to go down aisle four. Going this <laughs> way. We're going to go, we're going we're gonna to, we'll come back around to aisle three <laughs> later. Well, sometimes it's funny because I can't even always tell why. And I know it's been different over the last couple of years because we haven't been out as much, but there'll be times where my husband and I are somewhere and we'll be meeting, especially if it was like a work thing for him or we're meeting a bunch of people and I'll be standing in the circle and I'm like, nope, leave now. Like, it's like literally leave now. And I turned and leave. And I try and do it in the most non-rude way possible, but I've learned like very clearly to follow that sometimes the sign is there. It doesn't make sense why. And I don't ask why I just Mm -hmm. trust that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's, and then the more you open up your intuition, the more you get used to how it works, Mm -hmm. perhaps you get visuals and there's a stop sign that you see. And when that stop sign pops up in your head, you go, okay, there it is. Mm -hmm. Or you hear a word or something like this. So the more you fine tune that intuition, it's going to turn into things that are, uh, help you understand things a little faster, I Mm -hmm. guess is how we could say that. So for me, I went from, I'm, like I said, I'm very much a medium. So I went from feeling people around me to being able to see them. Mm -hmm. And then, oh, I want to say like a year later, I could start to hear them. At first it was like one word at a time (laughs) and then it got better, but uh, yeah, it's, it's, it'll develop, it'll develop, but that knowing is important. And when I meet people that are skeptics, First off, I respect skeptics deeply. You can Mm -hmm. imagine why. Um, But when I meet them, it's interesting to me because there's always the response of, well, I don't believe in that, but there's always a, but, Mm -hmm. but there was that one time Mm -hmm. and everyone has a one time or a situation where they felt something or did something and, and we're already using it. Mm -hmm. It's a matter of fine tuning it, opening it up. So it's more clear. That's so true. Oh, I love this. Absolutely love this conversation. So if somebody says, all right, I want to learn a little bit more and I want to like tap into this piece, what's the best place to connect with you to learn more, to do more? I would say go to the the main website has everything on it. Mm -hmm. It's called uh, thesagemethod.com. And there is a, a part of the top five tools. There's a top five tools course in there. It's free. And it's literally the top five things that I have found over the years that work so well for uh, people starting to step into using their intuition. I would definitely say, go into that course. GCP is one of them in that top five. It's one out of the five and go into that course and just start using some of the tools and start to see, you know, what happens and play around with it. It's, it's interesting. It's like when we do this and we take that step, it's almost like our guides, our loved ones, source, everyone's got a different connection, but whatever that direct connection is that we have, it's almost like they wake up and go, awesome. Okay. Marsha's holding her intuition. Let's start throwing her some things. Here we go. Here we go. 
People are like, oh. why is all this happening now? It's because it's because you set the intent and you stepped into it and we're supported and they're going to support you in the process. You, you just said the key word there that I just want to share. So if you're listening to this and you're like, okay, but I don't actually want to tap into that stuff, but I do want to learn a little bit more. I think something that happens in this situation is like when something like that happens, and I mean, I'm laughing because I'm thinking, yeah, there's more than one time, but when something like this happens, it's, I usually stop and go, see, there's proof I am supported because I, I grew up in that time where it's like pretty much you were like independent is an understatement and it's just what we did. And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with it, but that's what we did. And so a lot of times I can block the support. I can block the receiving. I'm going to be totally open and honest. I can block all of those things because I couldn't rely on it. So Mm -hmm. I just learned to do it myself. And I know that that's a great trait in a lot of times in life, but not always because we're not meant to do life alone. So if you can, if you're listening to this and it's, it's really sparking something in you, learning to really understand, feel like emotionally, physically, visually, however you want to see it, that you're supported. That is such a calming feeling to know that, okay, I'm listening. Okay. I'm listening. I'm supported. I'm safe. All of these things. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. That was one of the biggest blessings for me stepping into this. Cause I am just, I'm very much like you. I completely relate to what you just said. I was an only child. Mm -hmm. I, you, everything was on my, I was a latchkey kid. I mean, Mm -hmm. you just do it on your own Mm -hmm. problem comes up, you figure it out. Mm You know, and in the meantime, if you could also solve other people's problems too, that'd be great. And if but, you could just say you don't have any problems and if you don't complain, that would be great too. True. Yeah. Please don't tell us about your problems or make us feel like you have any, but if you could fix ours, that would be great. <laughs> so we, we really had that weight on our shoulders. It yeah, was, it was like, yeah. I, I, I swear it was 43 years of going, don't worry about me. Don't worry about me. Don't worry about me. Let's worry about you. Don't worry about me. Let's worry about you. And that is a lifetime of believing fully that you, you don't have support. You don't have a fallback, mm-hmm. you know? And when I learned about these guides, I remember standing there in the woods when he explained to me finally who he was. And I, I remember just crying thinking, so wait, you're just here for me like this. That's all you're focused on is that I'm okay. And he's like, yeah, I mean, that was, that was heavy. That was really heavy. And that was the beginning of realizing I was worth it. That was worth someone else caring about me. So such a small thing, but such a massive thing, like one sentence, and then it changes so many other things. Can you imagine, like, think of this, the title of the show. So own your choices, own your life. Where would your life be now? If you didn't start to embrace the gifts that you had, the skills that you had, the, like, can you imagine what life would be like now? And just think, it's not that it was bad, but I'm not saying that, but imagine like the difference of what life would have been had you not embraced these gifts. I can, I would be severely depressed. Mm-hmm. I would, I, I would be repeating everything that I repeated before I would be remaining in a, an emotionally abusive relationship. I would continue to take care of others who could give who about me and that would be how I would continue to find my worth Mm 
mm-hmm. is how I did that for everyone else, yet not recognized for that worth in any way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. Then you move into this lifestyle and you realize I am worth it. And then the coolest part is you're like, I don't need anyone to recognize my worth because I found it. Yeah, I found it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I would go through everything that I went through, all the transformation, all the inner work again in a heartbeat. I would actually beg to do it at 24 instead of like 32. I would be like, can we just start this one earlier next time? Because here I am living my best life finally. And I'm like teetering on 50. Come on. We could have done this earlier. I'm past that. Just so you know. And yeah, no, but it's like, it's like, could I not have learned this sooner? Uh, yeah. chances are good. No, they took yep. me this long. It took me this long to fully own it, embrace it and all those pieces. And here I am with this community that never ceases to bring tears of joy to my eyes. At least a few times a week. I literally just had a woman graduate from the sage method. Um, well, 83 years old. 83. Oh my gosh. It was 82 She's so sweet. And I, I found this out because all of her communications, like she puts all caps for her first name. And I'm like, why does that's interesting? And so I kind of got to know her a little bit. And then she's like, I'm young. And I'm like, yes. And she was like, I'm starting my life now. And I'm like, all right, I'm Aww. I'm done complaining. <laughs> you are a rock star. So yeah, squeezing, like just squeeze every ounce out that you can, no matter oh, yeah. what your age, right? Yep. Yep. Now, why not now? Mm-hmm. Why not now? Why not? Why now? not now? Wow, I have loved this conversation. Honestly, it is just so different and so powerful to really tap into who you are at the core. So, I will make sure all of the ways to reach out and contact you are in the show notes. Um, and I can't wait to share this episode. I have one more question for you. Maybe it seems redundant right now, but what lesson in life are you most grateful for? What lesson in life am I most grateful for? Oh, there's so many. (laughs) Most grateful for learning that my goofy self is beautiful. Not irritating, not annoying, but beautiful. That was probably my, that's my favorite one. I honestly, that is, that, I love that. I love that. And if you're not watching the video, you can see the reaction on her face and you can see how hard that message hit you. So honestly, grateful for this connection. Thank you so much for this conversation. And I cannot wait to continue to follow and learn more about you. Thank you so much. I, this just feels so good. You're awesome. Oh. <laughs> Thank you so much for tuning in to the Own Your Choices, Own Your Life podcast. If you love this episode, please submit a rating and review on iTunes and please share it with someone you think could benefit from hearing this message or this podcast. I love connecting and meeting you. So please screenshot the episode and tag me on social media or Instagram stories at Marsha Van W. And until next time, remember when you own your choices, you truly own your life.